right, everybody. Welcome back to Mrs. Janeski's AP Government Podcast. And today we will talk about the last of the Federalist Papers included in your foundational documents that are required for the exam. And that is Federalist Paper number 78. So if you're ready to be independent of others, let's do this. All right. Federalist 78 is written by Alexander Hamilton, and it's a particularly significant essay within the Federalist Papers. In this essay, Hamilton discusses the role and importance of an important judiciary, focusing specifically on the power of judicial review. Hamilton is arguing in Federalist 78 in favor of life terms for judges. That way they would be able to maintain an independent judiciary. And by this, he means that the branch of government that is the judiciary needs to be as free from interference from political pressures as possible. Now, there are basically three main ideas that you need to remember from Federalist 78. One, judges should have life terms. Second, as I mentioned earlier, we need an independent judiciary. And third, that the judiciary needs to have power of judicial review. So let's go through the document and see how Hamilton makes the arguments in favor of these three principles of the judiciary. So right away in the first line of Federalist 78, Hamilton says that all judges appointed are to hold their offices during good behavior. Now, I know that kind of sounds a little something like your parents might tell you be on your best behavior. But what he means is there aren't term limits. They don't hold office for two years or four years or six years like a representative or senator or the president but rather they hold office as long as they have good behavior. So essentially, as long as they are not impeached, removed from office. Well, why would he think that this is a good thing? He says that life tenure is the best expedient, having a steady, upright, and impartial, and that's the key word, impartial administration of the laws. Now, again, we kind of need to take a minute here because Hamilton is arguing to give somebody power for life in the judiciary. They will not be elected by the people, but instead they'll be appointed by the president, confirmed by the Senate. And they have that job for life as long as they don't mess it up, get themselves impeached, which is basically fired. That's a lot of power to give somebody. And as we'll talk about later, he refers to it as the weakest of the branches. And some people believe this does not sound very democratic. So the question is why don't we need to worry about giving them this job for life? Well, Hamilton says that the answer is really simple. He says the judiciary branch is, as I said earlier, the the least dangerous of the branches, which almost sounds insulting, but he isn't wrong. Um, Although of late, as it was in the beginning, people are still arguing, maybe it's too much power. So he says people should not worry about it. And his claim is that the judiciary will always be at least dangerous to the political rights of the Constitution due to the fact that it will have the least ability to take powers away, to limit them. And he goes on to compare the judicial branch to the legislative and the executive branches. And he points out that the judiciary doesn't have the power of the purse. It doesn't have budget power, so it isn't able to wield any fiscal policy, and it doesn't have the power of the sword, meaning the power to make war. And then he goes on to say that it has neither force nor will, but merely judgment 
And notice the way he says that as if it's not significant. He points out that it relies on the executive for the efficacy of its judgments. And here Hamilton is pointing out something really important that he will discuss and we will discuss more throughout the course, which is that the judicial branch can't enforce its own rulings. It can make a judgment, but then it's reliant on the executive branch or the state or local governments to actually administer its rulings. So that way, in that way, Hamilton is right. It is relatively powerless when it comes to enforcing its rulings. All right, so he's established that he wants life tenure for judges. He's established why you don't need to worry about them having life tenure, but why is life tenure in and of itself necessary? Well, this is where Hamilton argues that life tenure is necessary to maintain an independent judiciary. So what does that mean? Why is it important? He says that liberty would have everything to fear from the union of the judicial branch with either of the other two branches. So basically, if either Congress or the president were to dominate the judicial branch, we wouldn't really have liberty in the country at all. Now, let's kind of back up here and think about it this way. If federal judges knew that the president or Congress could take away their job, if they did not like a ruling that the judicial branch made, well, then judges, what would they do? They might be inclined to rule in favor of Congress or rule in favor of the president. Even when they're doing something that they think is constitutionally wrong, I mean, they have to eat, right? It's their job. And in this case, well, we might not even have a judiciary at all. Hamilton goes on to say that nothing can contribute so much to its firmness of the judiciary, judicial branch and independence as permanency in office. So by allowing federal judges to have this job for life, it means they do not have to worry about Congress. They don't have to worry about the president. The president can come for them all day long on social media or YouTube. Congress can criticize them during an election year. But they don't have anything to truly fear, which means they can do their job and they can rule properly and defend the Constitution. And a vital part of being able to defend the Constitution means that the judiciary must have the power of judicial review. They must be able to strike down laws and actions that go against the spirit of the Constitution, the law of the land. Hamilton later says that these courts whose duty must be to declare all acts contrary to the manifest tenure of the Constitution void all reservations of particular rights or privileges would amount to nothing. What he is saying is that without a judiciary, we can actually, that could actually strike down something that is unconstitutional, overreaches by Congress, something like that, or a president who's got all these ideas, principles found in the Constitution, limiting congressional power, limiting the president's power, protecting individual rights. All those words would just be words. They wouldn't actually mean anything and they wouldn't limit governmental power. And they certainly wouldn't protect individual rights. So here, Hamilton is explicitly arguing in favor of the power of judicial review for the Supreme Court. Now, judicial review wasn't mentioned directly in the Constitution. It's truly established in one of our required court cases, Marbury versus Madison. But here, Hamilton is helping us to understand that it is the intention of the framers that the court would, in fact, have this power. And he explains it when he says a constitution is and must be regarded as fundamental law. If there should happen to be an irreconcilable variance between the two, meaning a federal law and the constitution, and the constitution ought to be preferred to the statute or the law. 
in plain English, he is saying that if the Constitution says one thing and Congress has something else to say, well, the Constitution is superior. Supremacy to the congressional law, and it would then be struck down. So really, according to Hamilton, the job of the judicial branch is to protect the Constitution from Congress. Congress is the threat to the Constitution through their lawmaking power. Congress might at times encroach or make laws that go against the Constitution. He actually describes the courts as the bulwark of a limited Constitution against the legislative branch. And he says that as long as they have that permanent tenure of office, meaning that life tenure, and that they have an independent spirit, which we call an independent judiciary, which will be essential to them successfully guarding the Constitution, and it will defend from congressional overreach. Now, you might be wondering, why do we care about Federalist 78 today? Well, the principles outlined in this essay remain as relevant as ever. The concept of an independent judiciary and judicial review continues to shape the United States legal system and profoundly impacts the balance of power between the branches of government. So I want you to think about whether you think federal judges should have life terms, or would it be better if they were democratically elected by the people, or maybe had a fixed term of office? Something to think about. And there you have it. This is the essence of Federalist 78. This essay, written over two centuries ago, continues to shape the very foundations of American democracy. Well, I hope this podcast episode has shed some light on the significance and enduring relevance of Federalist 78 in today's society. Thank you guys for listening and check out my next episode on our final required document for the AP U.S. government and politics exam, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s letter from a Birmingham jail. Keep up the good work.